Barclays. Well, we are still the Barclays. We are also renaming this podcast. So Taylor will tell you why we've had an extended absence, but we are rebranding to Radical Optimism, which is also the name of our Substack that you should sign up at, at radicaloptimism.substack.com. And this is still our podcast. We are a husband and wife duo living and working in the Washington, D.C. area, sharing our radically optimistic view on politics, culture, and how Christians might think about this crazy world. I think the rebrand is maybe one of the reasons we've been delayed in recording, right? It's taken some work like to write. New logo. Make decisions. Yeah, put the time into that. New logo. uh, Think about what we're all about. Write content for the thing. But we've also been (laughs) just like riven by sickness. Oh my gosh. Nothing nothing serious, but. Just cold after. Cold. You had the worst cold I've ever seen. It was a flu, yeah. Like, I I haven't seen you that sick since you were in the hospital. (laughs) That's how bad it was. Bedridden for four days. Yeah, it was rough. And then it just seemed like kind of the. You all with families and kids know this, like the cycle of like the first person to get sick gets better, but then gets sick again. So then it just loops its way through. (laughs) So I think this is the first time that we have had two weeks. Everyone's sickness-free yes. since Thanksgiving. I'm not even exaggerating. I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> it's, I was like, the first time you gave that observation a month ago, I, I felt like physically depressed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there were there were bouts of depression in there. It was, it it was, was rough. Yeah. So we're glad to be here today talking about something that seems to be the front of, I don't know, it's just it's in the headlines everywhere. <laughs> it's blown up as a topic. And that question is... Is AI going to end society as we know it? I wish I had effects. I feel like that should have echoed. Know it, know it, know it. (laughs) And I think the reason this is the headlines discussion, every single podcast seems to address this question. So we're jumping into the mosh pit. Um, Is November, OpenAI released ChatGPT into the world uh a chatbot that showed surprising just oh, it was just surprising and it's what it what it did the responses i think i was asking at one time how we could sleep train our baby and i asked like a series of questions back and forth they didn't really provide anything that earth shattering the the training system we did with an actual human was much better uh but in the end i just said thanks and it responded you're welcome i hope this is really helpful helpful as you sleep train your baby like it looped, it looped back mm. to like the conversation we had, like, you know, a human. Like more would. human-like. Okay. So anyway, November, and this is the most popular tech release in history. Really? How do they measure that? A month. It took a month, I think, to 100 million daily or monthly active users. Wow. When uh, it took Facebook multiple years to get to that point. Wow. And so all of a sudden we went from, we can go talk more about this later, but like, We'll just talk about it now. Like history, AI, the term artificial intelligence was coined in the 1950s by a group of researchers, um, including Alan Turing, who said, we're going to spend the next... Who's Alan Turing? Famous computer scientist who helped crack the Enigma code that the Nazis used in World War II, lived in Britain. Uh, There's a great film about him with Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) Uh, And... They coined the term artificial intelligence in this short paper that you can read. It's out there right now. You can read that paper. And they said, we're going to spend the next few months figuring out how to make machines intelligence or exhibit some sort of intelligence. And since then, there's been kind of AI winters and springs. And it's just 
investment has gone up when people are hyped about AI and then it goes down again. So it's been kind of this up and down for the last, what, 70 years. And so we're kind of in the, I thought, like in the midst of an AI winter until November when ChatGPT burst on the scene, took everyone by surprise, including the big tech companies that have been doing, supposedly doing AI for, you know, many years. And, and now all of a sudden you have people, uh, out there getting press time, long media hours talking about this question of will AI is AI does AI What's pose Chat an existential risk risk? ChatGPT um GPT actually is, is an acronym. I think it's generative process transformers, something like that. Double check okay. me. But uh it's for responding to it's a, you know human like speech level text based so you can't talk to it with voice. Some people have made tools that you can convert, you know, voice to text, but it's mainly so you type, you can ask questions and it's a computer system that basically learns from the internet it's mm -hmm. combed the entire internet's uh data everything people have posted typed chatted about you know and then with software essentially uh can predict responses so you ask like i ask you know sleep train a baby uh you can say like what's the what are the best ways to you know bake a cake and it'll comb the internet and come up with a response and one thing with these, and there's other systems, uh, Microsoft has Bing chat, Google has Bard, um, kind of everyone after chat GPT kind of came out with something like this. Uh, my email service has something that's actually terrible. Um, and, uh, so you, it comes the internet, it's the chat GPT, uh, is only up to date to 2021. Okay. So there's no like current information. And I think Google Bar, Google Bar, Chat, Bing, uh, Bing Chat, I think are a little more up to date and integrate like normal search engine functions. Okay, so this was, I mean, from what I read, this burst on the scene a lot sooner than people expected. Like people didn't think this yeah, level of like predictive, yeah. whatever. What do you call it? Predictive text. Predictive text, um, responsive text, like a chatbot. Like, like they thought we were like five, six years away from this. Yeah, and we've all interacted with chatbots that suck, like with the bank or whatever, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. Amazon customer service. It's like, what do you need? And then you select an option, and it's like not that. But so those chat, this is kind of all the same universe of technology. It's just like a really yes. good chatbot. Yes, exactly. Okay. Just a really good chatbot that incorporates all of the internet data, and is just a really good software model that can emulate it it's like conversational style is like very f fluid so mm -hmm. you can ask it to write a poem in the style of like robert frost yeah uh like I, we did that with your brother uh we asked it to like write a song about a single man at a child's birthday party and it <laughs> a was country song. a country song and it was really funny so we can do stuff like that where like former chatbots just didn't even get one answer like right. siri would be like nothing is found on wikipedia for that or whatever and one thing with ai systems is like so in that paper uh i think in that first one is where the turing test came about so alan turing same guy came with this turing test of like a computer will be sufficiently will match like human intelligence when a real human being interacts with a computer and cannot tell that they're interacting with a computer mm. so that has been held as like this is the model for like computers meeting intelligence but the thing is, with there's always moving goalposts. So this whole debate, like we're talking about existential risk, the goalposts are always moving. Uh, people thought, okay, a computer will be 
as intelligent as a human being when it can play and beat a human at chess. Mm. That happened in 1993 with Deep Blue or Gary Kasparov. Of course, here we are today. That not the case. People said, okay, well, how about Go, the game of Go, which chess has like a limited number of moves. Go has like uh, near infinite level okay. of moves. So they thought, oh, if a computer could do that. A computer did that, I think, in 2015? Okay. 17? And then still, it was like not sufficiently intelligent. So then it's like, okay, well, really, if you know someone can interact with a computer like ChatGPT, uh, that that will be sufficiently intelligent. So we're kind of in that moment now, and is so it, we're we're sussing out like what is intelligence and like. Well, that sounds to me not like a moving a goalpost. It's an unknown goalpost. True, it's like unknown. So we set it, and then we realize, oh wait a minute, we don't really know what we're talking about. And I think that's kind of the core of this. That's what's so scary to people. I think is it's an unknown goalpost. Like we don't know what the point of no return is. Is that? We don't even, I think we don't know what intelligence is. <laughs> uh. Uh, right? Because like, like, I remember it, a key point in helping me was when this, this Go game happened. Uh, I think it was DeepMind, this company that Google started, developed this AlphaGo computer that beat the world champion at Go. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But then someone was like, well, think about it. Like this computer was operating, they needed the power of like a small city to do this one task where it's like you release it in the world and doesn't know how to drive a car doesn't know how to like write a simple mm. letter but then the guy the human player he was powered by a cup of coffee <laughs> and like he could walk out into a busy street and like it's like mm. okay okay the gulf here is massive even though we're really impressed by this computer and even with like chat gpt it's like there's a debate like this is the, like the debate that's happening one of them is like does it really know how to bake a cake or is it just spitting out data that it inferred because like okay in, in the internet you know the, the math saw the math that's running in the computer is correlating discussions about best and cakes and then giving me an answer about mm. best and cakes in a way that it's it's constantly learning too of like what's a good response what's a bad response and like chat gpt barred being all these they hallucinate so they're often making up information uh. that's one thing that's uh been an issue so don't trust these things <laughs> uh even though they're impressive but then there's a, okay like what does it mean to know something like do mm. i taylor really know how to make are a you cake? hallucinating <laughs> right like we're teaching our young children right like what is it does does hudson know what um i don't know like a, a birthday means mm. but then does anyone really know i mean you get really like woo woo fast yeah 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 interesting but it also i mean to your point of you know, it takes a small city to power that computer to play that game and what a human brain can do. Just like sometimes I think about it, it blows my mind, especially going through all I have with the spinal cord about mm -hmm. like our brain and yeah. our yeah. neurological system of the complexity at which yes. it minute, second by second, minute by minute is functioning to keep you automatically breathing and your mm -hmm. heart rate constant and all that. It's just amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that was a sidebar. So, okay, so that's kind of like what it is gives us and that helps me understand it. Um, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I'm not into this kind of stuff, and I feel like that was helpful. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot out there that is very doomsday. You have this guy, what's his name? Jeffrey Hinton, is that his name? Mm -hmm. So he was supposedly the godfather of AI mm -hmm. or whatever and it, yeah. has been working on it for decades and he left 
Google ceremoniously right yes. because he thought that this is ushering in catastrophic things. And then there's this group of um, uh-huh. thinkers like him and AI ethicists and scientists and whatnot who got together and issued this very doomsday statement. Was this like a couple days ago? Uh, I think just um, yesterday. Yesterday. A single sentence. A single sentence that said, <laughs> this is signed by, what, like hundreds of people or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Wow, that seems pretty like scary and doomsday, right? Like you read that and you're like, oh, wow, we're like... Like RoboCop level. Of, <laughs> I don't know. That's my only. I don't like robot sci-fi movies. So that's like the last one I can remember watching. Wow. What's a better? What's a better movie? He's more of a cyborg than. An... Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally. Uh, I don't. Well, we can talk okay, about that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So there's this this doomsday kind of thing, and the CEO that. Um, of OpenAI, which is yes. ChatGPT, he signed on to this, yes, and Sam all Altman. of the major CEOs. Or some of the major CEOs are signed on to this. Uh, yeah. So that makes you think like, oh, this should be priority number one. Um, nuclear war and pandemics. Wow, it's that bad. Mm-hmm. So let's go through. I thought it would be helpful to go through best case scenario all the way to worst case scenario. Like what are we talking here? Worlds that could happen. So best case scenario. Uh-huh. What is AI going to? How is it going to make the world better? And then we'll go all the way to doomsday. Uh okay. Um so there there are boundaries here I think on that question. I think there's like realm of reason boundaries. So and then there's like far out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You want to go far out? Well, far out is like war by robots, right? Like or like so on the positive side it's like Ray Kurzweil like question mark where is he in this cuz he wrote about the singularity. So, he was like the original writer on the singularity. What's the singularity? Yes. Singularity is when human consciousness and digital consciousness will meld. Whoa. So we'll, we'll have like digital people. I can upload my consciousness into a computer and I'll live in a digital universe that I can you know speed up or slow down and basically become like a demigod. Wow. I can't even like understand what uploading your consciousness So is. imagine like you get a sufficiently accurate scan of your whole, all your brain mechanisms, your spinal wow. cord, your whole nervous system, and then you can copy that in a digital form. Okay. So then would a you, you are a copy of Rachel, then live in a computer. And, and then he, there's the whole like body soul, like without, you he, can't upload a soul. Well, I think that's one thing in this whole debate. So like all these letters. Uh, Taylor's squinting really hard right now. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many things happening. It's like you have to parse out what's ha- what, why and what's going on. So one thing is like these people, I think, generally speaking, I don't know. I do not know their minds or their souls. But they seem to be coming from a materialist perspective where there's just matter involved. There's no soul. There's no spirit. Like I was listening to like the AI doomer out there, Eliezer Yudkowsky, talk with this pod- other podcaster. And they were like, it was more likely that robots will cause extinction than that god exists they were like pointing it like (laughs) 0.001 chance or whatever like god existing so that's just one thing to keep in mind is like i think these people are coming at this from a very materialistic answer like you were listening to jeffrey hinton the godfather of ai guy 
which is another thing like there's there's a million of these like godfathers and like originators <laughs> everyone's been working this for a long time so like they all want to be the godfather. there's no one like inventor of ai that's like saying there's one inventor of like uh i don't know uh engine systems and cars like okay um or computers like anyway yeah but i heard yeah jeffrey hinton on a podcast he was like they recorded the small talk before they got into it. And he was like, oh, yes, I went to this Christian school and I was the only atheist growing up. And I basically like I was the only smart one who got it and knew God didn't exist. And I was like, OK, that right there. Sure, you can believe that. But acting like you knew the truth and everyone else was an idiot. Yeah. So I think it's just one thing to keep in mind. Like it's a very materialistic worldview for the most part. This is this is the only reality that exists. Physical reality. So back to your question, like what are the. The upside, I think, kind of like to me, that like singularity is like far extreme fantasy. Uh, but then, like the reality, I think is like good. I, I think there's like like what 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 are the good realities that it will? Yes. So, yeah. I think all of us having some sort of like personal assistant mm. that could like learn our schedules, learn our preferences, like recommend entertainment, manage our calendars, maybe pay bills for us. Mm. Um, you know, something that uh, maybe even give medical advice at a certain point. Mm. Like imagine like, you know, I'm, I wear an Apple watch and you do too, Rachel. And like that kind of uh, taking in that personalized data kept secure, but then able to like serve as like a physician's assistant almost that just is integrated into our life. Um, uh, I Media is just, I think I, someone said, and I, I think this is, will be true at some point, like, a teenager anywhere in the world could create an Avengers Endgame quality film mm. with like video, generative video AI systems, generative a- image systems. Uh, so it's going to upend a lot of institutions. Like movie studios will have like a different purpose than they do on and on. So I think that's like reasonable upside. Uh, then like the reasonable downside is like I think cybersecurity risks, like these things. Mm. Uh, privacy invasion, uh, missing disinformation. But I think with all those negatives, it's kind of like a there's going to be defensive capabilities too. So people are like, oh, well, AIs are going to be able to like find these holes and like systems, computer systems, and then exploit them and you know cause like cyber warfare between like China and the U.S. It's like, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute, like we can also use those to like find those same mm-hmm. holes. We can patch them <laughs> right. and then also use them in a defensive capacity. Interesting. But I think it'll make the world a little, it'll make, make it a little more complicated. And then I think on the far, like, fantasy level, which is what I think is getting too much attention, is like this doomer, uh, kind of the thought experiment of, okay, these systems will get, they're going to be at some point more intelligent than a human brain. So will they then, you know, get out of captivity? I'm putting that in quotes. You know, troll all the information on the internet, hoover it up, and figure out how to... Uh, I don't know, like, uh, I don't even know what a good example is without just contributing to the disinformation. <laughs> Basically, like, get a mind of their own and surpass their controller. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like uh, King Kong getting loose or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, this is a question I had as I listened to Doomsday or Jeffrey Hinton on this other podcast. He's, he brought up the point of governments essentially, like, creating robot warriors and oh, sure. Yeah, and that's, yeah, sure, lowering sure. the political cost of war, right? If you're not having to send your sons and daughters to war, you're just sending robots who who cares if 
they get destroyed, yes. then the cost of war becomes a lot lower. And let's say like some bad actor nation gets these um, gets these robots and they just decide to invade another nation because it doesn't cost them any human lives. Mm-hmm. Um and that kind of, that to me seemed like, well, that seems like it could happen. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 Like, um, like, like drones on steroids, right? Like drones yes. lower the human costs. Yes, exactly. I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that is like within the realm of reason of like a negative side. So, uh, you can take what they call like human in the loop out of the equation. So if a drone sees a t- human target, can it make the decision to launch the missile or fire the gun without a human clicking like okay mm-hmm. right now it's like humans click okay and that's kind of just yeah like an ethical decision that nations have agreed to uh until someone decides not to uh so yeah i but then on the far outside it's like oh, well, address that though that okay. to me is scary what's like does do nations need to come together and like make a pact that they're not going to do this and like this is like a UN role or right. something. Right, maybe, what maybe, yeah. I mean, um, so... And the then one, how do you stop like Iran from... So if we have like it. a war of just robots fighting robots, it's probably better than like humans fighting humans. I, I think it's robots coming like... What if all the good, you know, nations pact and say, we're not going to do this, but then uh, somebody breaks it and comes and sends robots here or something. right. So I think one thing is the U.S. and the U.S. is like the most advanced software and computer capacity. Like China is like catching up, but so I don't foresee at least the near term future like that happening, like being so caught off guard, like, whoa, there's these like robots walking or flying through. Most of them will be flying. Like walking is like really, really hard to do for robots. You, You see those videos like robot dogs from Boston Dynamics. Those are rehearsed videos. So it's not like, like you let loose a cat and it'll navigate through a complex. It'll walk on top of a fence like immediately, but you let loose one of those things and it's going to be like very slow because it's learning and Mm -hmm. it'll get faster. But like, anyway, uh, so, I mean, maybe that would happen, but like we do this already. Like one thing with these existential risks is like, oh, we, these like complex systems will have minds of their own. Well, we already have complex systems with minds of their own. They're called governments. They're called big corporations. We deal with like very powerful systems already. You know, we've, we haven't used, or I guess there's been some like chemical weapons, bioweapons, nuclear weapons. Those of all, those all are current threats that could be deployed likewise and much more easily than like any of these robots. And to your point, like smart defense systems, like on the flip side, probably better defense systems will be created. Yeah. And they, I mean, I don't I forgot to set a timer, so I don't know how long we've been talking. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind with all this is just like the when people when like these doomers say like we want to mitigate the risk, it's like there's there's a, what we'd say a non-zero chance of maybe existential risk like extinction happening, but that's like non-zero is just like greater than zero. So that could be like point oh point oh 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 one. And it's just like what is the likelihood of that happening? I think there takes some unpacking of like what what would actually have to go into like say a nation state unleashing a swarm of like super smart mini drones that then like target, mm-hmm. you know, VIPs or whatever, like what would it take to get there? And there's a lot of like humans in, in the loop and there's, there's just like even the, the scenario of like a super intelligent computer 
convincing its creators to like let it out and then it you know kills us all or whatever like that computer is probably going to make mistakes so mm-hmm. there's going to be indications along the way if that were even to happen and one thing is like I, there's not just going to be this leap in two years from chat dbt to killer robots yeah and yeah exactly and i think you brought up sci-fi earlier i just really want if you remember just one thing is just like the the bizarre nature of this discussion where people are like in the in the in congress in courts of law and the media are like exhibit a is the terminator well like bro that's a movie <laughs> like it's maybe like saying like i'm an expert on whales because i read moby dick and like see like and that's it, it's just so weird to me like and that we don't latch on to like the good ai's like no one's talking about well c3po like as the paragon <laughs> of like artificial intelligence when I think there is something just in our minds where we latch onto the antagonist and like we've been kind of trained over the last like 200 years to take like, you know, advanced technologies as the villain. And for whatever reason, like anytime someone says that, you just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's mm. that you're like, sure, you can use that as a thought experiment, but like it's a story. So to what extent are we using like stories to inform our perspective? Mm. Like, sure, they can be helpful, but they shouldn't be like 70 or 100 percent of the evidence. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, right. Our imagination, our popular imagination drives a lot of how we think about this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any questions, but... Well, I think thoughts. that's... I think we should move on to, like, what sh- yeah. What should we do about it? Um, should, well, how might Christians think about it? And how might Christians yeah. think about it? But at, on the what sh- we should do about it, so I'm going to plug our Substack again, radicaloptimism.substack.com. Go and subscribe. Um, I wrote last week about fears and overcoming fears and this brings, you know, I was talking on the personal level about how important it is to overcome your fears because, um, living in fear, living in safetyism, a word I'm going to probably use a couple times, uh, uh, foregoes a lot of great experiences in life. So, you know, I've thought about had I been really afraid of the very possible greater than non-zero chance of complications in pregnancy. Hmm. So, you know, the the risk of getting pregnant while disabled and having survived a, a tumor, cancer, a, a benign cancer, um, the risks of something bad happening were there. I don't know what percentage they were, but they were there. <laughs> they were present in my mind. But we decided that the reward was worth it to Hmm. have another child. And, you know, I look at our child one year out and I say that risk was definitely worth it. I think of other risky, non-safe things I've done in my life. um, And and I think like, wow, they yielded really great results. And what a shame if I had lived in a cone of safetyism. Hmm. Um, And those are personal decisions. So when we think about government decisions, I was really struck by this article um, by William Inbodden, a historian, talks about Ronald Reagan. In the beginning of Reagan's pregnancy, uh, uh, pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, what a twist. (laughs) The robot (laughs) of his presidency. (laughs) The beginning of his presidency. Uh, The economy was scary, stagflation. Um, and the Soviet Union was a very set fixture on the world stage. Like it wasn't going anywhere, but he had the imagination and the audacity to do many things that by the end of his presidency, 
he um, had revived the economy. It was thriving. And the Soviet Union fell, something people did Mm. not think would happen a decade earlier. So, you know, expanding beyond the limits of your thinking of what is possible and beyond safetyism, I think is important personally and in public policy. Um, So I, I struggle with this. I mean, everyone probably does, but I struggle with it. When you think about these things, you think, well, if there's a non-zero chance of extinction of the human race from these, we should do something. But there is also this sense of what if we forego all of the benefits? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it gets down to, I think, a couple of things. Yeah. Like maintaining that like risk assessment. Like it's just so, 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 so small. Um it's just like not like we can't spend all our day worrying. Like it's a higher chance of like nuclear war, much higher chance. Yeah, true. It's like let's and we don't wake up every day thinking about that now. At least maybe our parents did. But uh, so and then the other thing is like what would what would even a solution look like that wouldn't just utterly squash all the benefits? Mm-hmm. Like there's talk of like for example like the AI licensing system and like I've my colleagues and I have been talking like what would that even mean? Would that mean like anytime you want to use like a ai system uh you have to get like the government has to give approval to like amazon to then use its particular chips and like Mm -hmm. it's just it all kind of breaks down pretty quickly just because of the nature of of the thing um and there's a lot of like i think bottom-up solutions happening of Mm -hmm. ethical statements and principles and commitments and, and uh you know soft law it would be called um happening that is a much more flexible hmm. set of solutions. And I think if to the extent there are harms, there's the ability of like governments and authorities to step in and like mitigate those harms and then learn from that in the hmm. future. Like we have through all new technology technologies. It's moving. It's a, we're what should Christians think yes. about it? What yeah. I mean, again, like kind of, for me, it's the, the cosmic perspective of, you know, who's really in charge here. You know, nothing is a surprise to God. Uh, nothing is more powerful than God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in like the far out fanciful, you know, positive future or negative future, uh, if you don't, if you believe it's all just material, like the universe is just going to like die heat death <laughs> at some point. Right. Like the universe is not eternal. So, but for, <laughs> so it, like it's all going to like end in fire at some point. <laughs> Or just if like slow cooling, yeah. yeah. But then even with God, with God involved, it's like he he's in charge, and like there's nothing that's a surprise to him. And uh, he he built he built us to create things alongside him. And I I don't know. I think he he's he's involved. He's present. Exactly, a hundred percent. And I'm gonna go a little off the reservation here. So this is not like something that's like doctrinally tested or sound, but <laughs> oh boy, or there's just not. It's there's nothing in the Bible on robots, obviously. Right. But I think about you know you we have the Tower of Babel story where sure humans tried to use technology to reach heaven. So is this mm-hmm. a technology of building at the time? Um, is this, you know, an analogy that God gave us in the Bible for a reason? I mean, again, talking about our brains and our neurologicals, all of these things. If you believe that God did intelligently design us, however that happened, um, will, will technology ever surpass that? 
will will God allow that? Will will it ever? Happen? I mean, I don't know. Like, who knows how he intervenes exactly? Um, the Babel story is interesting. I talked about that in the panel I did back on like AI and the singularity and religion mm. back in like. Is know. there a recording? I think so. Okay, think we'll try. We'll try to anyway. link to that. Yeah. Uh, like who knows how he intervenes? I think with this, like we said earlier, like there's just a lot about intelligence that we don't know. And it's to me, as I'm observing the conversation, uh, it seems like we're all kind of plumbing the depths and like realizing like how creative mm -hmm. God was or like how, how much, how little we know about human consciousness, intelligence, hmm. um, how, yeah. So like, what is the role of the spirit and the soul? Yeah. And, um, it's just, we, we create, we create these things that we think are intelligent, but then the more we interact with them, we more, we realize like how far apart they are from like a human, hmm. uh, consciousness. So, uh, it seems like we're kind of discovering, I guess, what, what God created here, whether you're a Christian or not. Yeah. And it's, it's consistently surprising. Interesting. Well, this is really fascinating and I learned a lot and normally I don't like to talk about robots and stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> this was the interesting to me. The only way I me. could get you, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Shall we transition to yes. stinkers and thinkers? Yes. Taylor, what is your stinker? My stinker is, was it the mother? We haven't even finished it. But it's just like so <laughs> tropey. I don't know. J-Lo, you can't stink on J-Lo. <sighs> I mean, she was she was trying her hardest. The, the writing was just so bad, and like I thought she did good. She oh, did well. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was th I was thinking too, like why does why does every like woman action movie have to involve like like ooh she's only in this because like her maternal instincts. Oh, interesting. Uh, like there was some other movie I watched which was quite good, but then the same thing of like she only started kicking butts because her daughter was involved. Mm -hmm. Women then, like, don't like violence for violence sake, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it's like it's like John Wick was like his dog. Um but then it got more com anyway. I don't know. It was just like our testosterone levels don't drive us just to be violent without <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maternal instinct. Like why can't she just be like fighting for freedoms or something? Hmm. Interesting. Good. But point. we'll finish Good it. Point. So maybe maybe it could be a thinker next time. What's yours? I, I thought that was like middling, so I didn't put it as oh, a stinker okay, okay. or a thinker. Um, okay, so my stinker is this book by Christian author Andy Crouch Ooh. called The Life We're Looking For. Whoa. Man, it's like, so it's <laughs> it's basically this big critique on technology in our lives. And gosh, it really reads like a socialist manifesto to me. <laughs> like it reads like everything with capitalism and money is evil and uh it, it just yeah the way it reads is just so huh. like, uh, i don't understand like what what kind of life we are looking for andy crouch <laughs> <laughs> um it's certainly i don't want to live like this it's depressing um so <laughs> it's yeah wow i did not expect to dislike it as much as i oh, have wow. so wow yeah i read it and like also didn't like it but. <laughs> Uh, thinkers. Thinkers. Um, oh, the, kind of on the AI topic, this book I finished recently, Chip War, Chip Wars oh. by Chris Miller. It's, well, so like, if AIs are the cars, chips are kind of like the oil. 
and oh. it was just it was just like a new field for me there's an also an article in wired i think um like encountering god at the in the chinese uh, taiwanese chip factory something like that anyway look up wired like chip manufacturing you'll find it it's a shorter version essentially or subscribe to our Substack where we'll send out these notes oh yeah <laughs> awesome so the book is like how many like how few advanced chip manufacturers there are but like this is in everything that we use it's in our cars our smartphones computers every, on and on and on and just like the crazy amounts of technology and investment that go into it, like the extreme ultraviolet light and how they have to fire like multiple mm -hmm. lasers at this, like one particular type of metal to create a temperature hotter than the surface of the sun and then figure out how to reflect that light to then onto silicon, which is like smoother, wow. so smooth, like our fingers can't even like detect it. So why, why Taiwan? Anyway. Why Taiwan? Um, why Taiwan? I think because some people made decisions to start factories there and the factories are just so complex that you can't like pop yes. them up in mexico yes interesting and, and it's, it takes so much investment too so much wow. money it's On like kind end. of walled off from like new entrants basically wow like there's these machines are so sensitive like a train three kilometers away was disrupting the wow. fabricators in this chip factory in taiwan wow so if if we were cut off from taiwanese chips our, uh, everything would collapse. No. <laughs> not everything would collapse but like we'd, we'd probably have to keep our iphone for like five years wow. <laughs> without getting a new one but you think about other systems that need like more important <laughs> well yeah well, yeah exactly and it, like there's only like so there's the chip manufacturer but then there's like the factories and like only three firms in the world that create the machines that make the chips wow and it's just like fascinating anyway chip mm. war i feel like our supply chain is very tenuous <laughs> now that i hear this it is it is <laughs> Um, interesting. Well, um, my thinker is not quite as, uh, thoughtful as that. <laughs> it is <laughs> Christian rap. <laughs> Just generally? Generally. So I don't know. I'd always thought like, it's not that good, you know, whatever. Just like kind of like CCM, contemporary Christian music and had written uh -huh. it off. But I listened to a couple songs and then Spotify recommended me a bunch more. Huh. And it is really, there are a lot of like new artists I've never heard of and mm. it's really good. So um, maybe I will link to a few of the songs I've been liking in our sub stack and leave a little mystery for uh, you to subscribe. Now um, I want to subscribe. <laughs> um, so yeah, Christian rap. All right. This is a long one. Thanks but for listening. Our first radical optimism podcast. Of Hopefully the it was radically optimistic. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time.